You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everyone. Welcome once again to another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. And today's episode of Locked On Magic. Today is March 25th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, as well as the host of the Locked On Magic podcast. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, I'll take your questions if you're watching live on Facebook. If you're not, you can always join us every Sunday at noon, to, until the end of the season at least. Um, I'm probably not going to have one next week, just as a fair warning. Um, family event came up on Sunday, so we're going to. I'm going to be at that instead of doing Facebook Live. Sorry. Um, but uh, usually every Sunday during the season so far this year, I've done a Facebook Live at around noon. Uh, to answer your questions, interact with you directly as we do the show, as, as I do the, do the podcast here. On today's episode, I'm going to recap the Magic's win over the Phoenix Suns from last night. Just talk very briefly about that game. There isn't a whole lot to say. There are definitely some good things that came out of it, definitely some frustrating and concerning things. Um, and, you know, frankly, I'm still of the opinion that wins are good. Uh, I don't care what some of the Twitter people say. Um, I think wins are good, and, and I'll take a win any day of the week, especially uh, at home against a really bad team like the Phoenix Suns. You've got to win those games. I'm, I'm sorry. you just got to win those games. You cannot lose those games. It doesn't matter where you are, and we know that, and from, frankly, I think the Magic are better than their record indicates that they are, uh, and so I'm holding them to a little bit of a higher standard maybe than, than some other people, but that's that's either here, that, here nor there. We can talk about that uh, later if you want to get into all that garbage um, once again. Um uh, later on in today's show, I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts on Frank Vogel's future, rumors about his uh, future with the team continue to pop up, continue to swirl around the team, and, and while uh, you know, I'll give my two cents about what I think about Frank Vogel's future and, and whether the Magic should keep him, so there's obviously a lot to get to there and a lot to, to, to dissect and digest as the Magic move into the offseason period of their schedule. And from there, I'll take your questions, of course, so be sure to leave your comments uh, and questions, and I'll take them here on the air, um, interact with you, figure out, you want to know what you want to talk about. What do you want to know about the Orlando Magic? What do you want to discuss about the Orlando Magic? We can do that right here on the Facebook Live. Again, that's every Sunday at noon, if you're listening on the podcast. But let's dive right into this game against the Phoenix Suns. It was an ugly, ugly game, as you would expect, against two of the worst teams in the league. Phoenix, I thought, played extraordinarily hard. I thought that they they played with a desire to win, and, and they just don't have the talent to do so. They make a lot of mistakes. You know, their, their talent kind of flashes and wanes. Um, you know, we saw Alfred Payton kind of have a typical Alfred Payton game. Um, Josh Jackson played really, really well and then kind of disappeared a little bit. Marcus Chris did some nice things and then disappeared a little bit. Troy Daniels was just chucking threes. It, it, this is just not a very good Phoenix team. Um, they, they don't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of ability to compete at a consistent level. So it's not surprising to see them lose because at the end of the day, it, it just felt like the Magic needed some effort to win. And even I think DJ Augustin told Josh Robinson of the Orlando Sentinel that we knew that we just had to play hard. We didn't play hard enough in the first half uh, and, and kind of treated them like they were the Phoenix Suns. And if we played hard, we knew we'd give ourselves a chance to win. The Orlando Magic started off extremely hot. They seemed focused. They seemed ready to play. The second unit came in, just drained all the energy. They're, like I get it. The Magic can't play guys 48 minutes, nor should they. But that second unit needs to be rebalanced. There, there is just no way around it. The second unit is just so, so devoid of any shot making. Uh, you know, you've got your, you've got Shelvin Mack, Rodney Purvis, 
Aaron Aflalo, essentially, Ken Birch, and Bismack Biombo in that starting lineup. That's just or in that second unit. There's just no shot creation in that unit. You're not. I mean, Shelvin Mack is essentially the alpha, the alpha guy, and that's why we. I think we see so many leads and so many games get out of hand in the second quarter. And when the starters come in, it just feels like they're trying to catch up, and 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 it drains their energy too. And and so if I'm Frank Vogel and I'm trying to win these games, I've got to mix up that second unit. I can't keep throwing out that second unit the way that it is comprised right now. I would consider maybe moving Mario Azoni into that second unit, maybe taking him out a little bit earlier earlier in the game or in the first quarter. Um, I would consider, you know, maybe giving the ball to Rodney Purvis a little bit more. Um, I would consider, you know, there, there aren't a lot of options either. That's that's the other problem. I mean, this is a bad team. There's a reason why the team is in the difficulty that it's in. Uh, and the big part of that is because the roster just isn't good enough. Uh, and so we see that in these second units. And so the, the Magic scoring just 12 points in the second quarter once again was extremely disappointing, was extremely frustrating because we know that the Magic can play a lot better. Uh, and, and to see them just continue to struggle and fall so far behind uh, a Phoenix Suns team that is at least trying. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're not trying. Um, they're, they're really undermanned with all the injuries they have themselves, including Devin Booker. But the Phoenix Suns play, played hard, and I, I thought they were generally doing the right things, and, and they caught the Magic napping a little bit in that second quarter. Orlando, though, bounced back. They scored 39 points Excuse me. in the third quarter. Um, they were able to get out in transition, they were able to get stops, and they were able to do all the things that they need to do to win. They were able to take that next step that they have to take. Uh, and that's obviously so important for Orlando, just to be able to put your foot down and say, no, no, we don't have our best stuff, but we're going to win. Orlando scored 67 points in the second half. They, they beat the Phoenix Suns 105-99. to Some great performances all around from Orlando. Um, at the end of the day, Aaron Gordon, 29 points, 10 for 18, shooting 3 for 6 from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, a career-high 8 assists, thought he did a really good job, especially in that second half, getting the ball moving, getting himself into good shooting positions, not over-dribbling, not over-attacking like he was in the first half, and that obviously helped Orlando seal the win. TJ Augustin, 15 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 5 turnovers, 5 for 7 shooting, an overall solid game for DJ Augustin. Obviously, the turnovers are a problem. Again, a big sign that why he probably isn't the future at point guard for this team. But he played extraordinarily well, too, I thought. Um, was able to get the Magic into, into ball movement. Was able to get into the paint in the second half. Again, all this stuff is the second half was better than the first half. The Magic played so much better in the, in the second half. Um, it was really night and day. And, and, and unfortunately for them, a team like Phoenix, you can get away with sleepwalking through a half and, and still winning because Phoenix just doesn't have the talent to, to maintain any of their positive play. Orlando does, I think, with with, with Gordon, with, with Vucevic to some extent. Um, they have guys who should be able to maintain some ability and some uh, some reason to, to keep playing. And so I think that, um, I, I think that Orlando still has... Um, still has something to play, you know, still has that this ability to, to, to play against these teams. And they're going to be playing a lot of these kinds of teams um, the rest of the way. I mean, I think they, they play Brooklyn next on Wednesday. They'll play Chicago on Friday. They got New York still on the schedule. Um, they got Atlanta still on the schedule. They've got a lot of games that they're going to be playing against teams that probably are that probably are about their talent level. And so I think the expectation should remain that, yeah, they're going to try and win these games or they're going to, they, they should at least be competitive in these games. I don't, I don't think we should accept blowouts. Um, and I think we should expect effort. Um, the second half, the second quarter effort is unacceptable. Second half effort is fine. You win games playing that way, that's fine. Um, 
And, and I think, again, they, they let Aaron Gordon kind of shine and, and, and show off his skills uh, throughout the game. So a solid effort from Orlando there. Mario Azonia, I thought, had a really nice game, probably his best game in some time. 14 points, 4 for 7 shooting, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. I thought that he didn't force anything offensively. That's when he gets himself into trouble is when he starts forcing shots or starts looking for his own shots um, that aren't uh, that aren't necessarily uh, in the rhythm of the offense. Um, where I think that he does really, really well is, is kind of what he did in Saturday's game where he is playing with good energy, where he's kind of flying to the basketball. I thought he made a lot of really nice defensive plays. I thought he made a, a lot of really good plays for the Magic to, to to kind of spark their energy. He was a big spark, I thought, in the third quarter. And so this was a really good game for Mario Zoni. He didn't get the shot attempts, but I don't think he needs the shot attempts. When he plays like this, he will the shots will come to him naturally, and he'll make plays outside of the ball. I think that's always been one of the big questions for Mario, even when he played well earlier in the season, is what do you do when you're not shooting the ball well? What what can you add to the team when you're not shooting the ball shooting the ball well? And that's always been the question with Mario, is if you're not making shots, what can you do? This was a game where he showed what he can do and really all the talent that we know that he has that he's he struggled to to play to play with and, and show off throughout the NBA season and throughout his NBA career. One final player to note, Nikola Vucevic, 24 points, 11 for 26 shooting, missed all five of his three-pointers, 11 rebounds, seven offensive rebounds. Um, eventually got his numbers, and, and Vucevic scored really well, again, in the second half mostly. But it, I felt like his defense was really lax. He wasn't great on the glass. Alex Len also had a field day on the offensive re, on the offensive boards. Um, I thought Vucevic was, was a little bit slow defensively. Um, he's been that way for some time, and it just feels like sometimes when Vucevic isn't active defensively, it drains the entire team of energy and defensive energy, and we see the Magic really falter because of it. Um, at this point, you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast, I've written this on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, it feels like the writing's on the wall for Vucevic. It feels like the Magic, and this is my opinion, task one for the Magic this summer is they've got to move on from Nikola Vucevic. He just takes away so much of the energy and so much of the uh, of the, the 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 kind of backstop that this team needs, and it's not his fault. I think he's played to the best of his abilities, and I think he's. Uh, I, I really think that that he bleeds for this team. It's not. It's not a. This guy doesn't doesn't want this team to win. He wants this team to win. He just doesn't have the ability to take his game to the next level. And and since the All Star break, it's it's seemingly been much much worse. Orlando shoots forty four percent from the floor, eleven for thirty from beyond the arc, twenty for twenty seven from foul line. Turn it over 19 times. Big reason why the Suns were able to stay in it. But Phoenix, not much better offensively. 40.4% shooting, 7 for 29 from the floor. They fall to the Orlando Magic, 105 to 99. Orlando with the win. They're second on this homestand, uh, and they'll take on the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. Orlando's record now stands at 22 and 51, fourth best odds in the upcoming NBA draft lottery. Let's get to some of your questions now here. Um, uh, uh, as as we talk about the talk about the the, the game and, and what's coming on for the Magic, uh, Cicely Morgan asks, "Who would you keep and who would you trade on the Magic to build for the future? And then, what position do you think Aaron Gordon plays best?" Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac are the two players that I keep no matter what. Um, I think that those are the two building blocks for your franchise. Um, I, I think that well, who would I keep and who? Would I, who I think the Magic will keep, are two different questions. Let's 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 put that out there. 
Um, trading away, guys, is going to be difficult. The Magic are still very much cash-strapped. The Magic very much don't have um, a lot of a lot of space to make moves. No one really wants Bismack Biyombo's contract, so you're not going to get rid of him. DJ Augustin will be tough to move, but I don't think the Magic should move him. I think he's a perfect backup point guard on a very re on what now looks like a very reasonable contract uh, with how he's played this year, whereas last year it wasn't. Um, uh, you get then you get to say, um, you know, Jonathan Simmons. I really like. I don't see a reason to get rid of him. Really, I think the big thing is the Magic need to kind of flip over their core. That's that's what I've been talking about for several for several weeks now, several months now. Is is it's clear that what the Magic have doesn't work. That the Magic don't have a, a solid group of guys internally. And so I think Orlando really that the first place to start is flipping over Nikola Vucevic. Like I said, I think task one this summer. As much as I love Vucevic, as much as I think that. Um, as much as I think that the Matt, that that he bleeds for this team and that that he's not as bad as people say he is, there is a huge drain sometimes when he's not playing well, uh, and 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 that, and that position is so critical. And so if if Vucevic isn't scoring and scoring efficiently like he was earlier in the season and like he has for most of his Magic career, it really drains the team. Um, he is essentially the the veteran on this team. He's been with the team the longest. He's again the guy that I think bleeds the most for this team, but. He doesn't necessarily positively impact the outcome of games all the time, and so I think it's really time to move on from him. I, I really do. I think it's. I think it's just. It's time. It's. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's not that he's. Um. He's. He's not. What he's not. Everything he can be. It's not that he's ma hasn't maximized his potential. It's that he hasn't. He just doesn't have that ability to take the next step, and unless he's willing to come off the bench. I, and I don't think the Magic will get anyone that'll force him off the bench. I, I, I think it's time. Um, I would also really look hard at trading Evan Fournier. It's it's not that Evan's a bad guy either. Um, I think Evan has an expectation of being the number one guy, and so he sometimes plays like it. So it's more about finding him the right role. And I don't think Orlando can get him in the right role where he'll be most effective um, with this summer. Um, Aaron Gordon may not be a number one option, but you have a better shot at making him a number one option than anyone else on this team right now. And so really right now it's about freeing up Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and whoever you draft to to be whoever they're going to be, to, to let them be whoever they're going to be. Uh, and that's really the big question, I think, for the Magic right now is how do we get, how do we free up these guys that we care about? The rest of the roster is completely in flux. Um, I don't think anyone's really a keeper outside of Gordon, Isaac, and maybe Simmons. Everything else, I think that that you're willing to to, to do whatever you can with. Um, you need a nice role player like Terrence Ross. You need, um, you know, you need some of those veteran role players for sure still, but it's going to be a long haul. I don't think the Magic will trade Evan Fournier this summer. I just don't think there's going to be any takers yet. Nikola Vucevic, I think, will be gone. I think that that will be task one for the Magic this summer. So thanks for the question. Uh, Sicily, as well as Mark Ng, asks, um, Mark Ng, and this is Mark Ng's question, on the off chance Mario stays, what do you think his role is on the team? Sicily asks, do you think Mario will resign with the Magic? Uh, I do not think that the Magic will re-sign Mario. I don't think Mario Zoni will re-sign with the Magic. I think that from the very beginning, he has wanted a new situation where he will get the chance to play. Um, Orlando, I don't think, can afford him that chance. Between Gordon and Isaac, between Ross and Simmons, there are no minutes for him on the perimeter. Um, at power forward, his Zonia is an imperfect fit. And while I think Mario has played well enough to ensure that he does get an NBA contract somewhere... 
and maybe the Magic will give him a, a small offer, I don't think it's worth breaking the bank to keep him. The Magic just don't have a lot of cap room this summer. And Hazonia's been nice, but I think we've seen over the last month and a half just why he's struggled to stay in the rotation his entire career. His shot is still inconsistent. It's better. It's more consi- it's more consistent, but not, but not consistent. His defense is inconsistent. His shot selection is still iffy. This is just not a guy that you want to rely on heavily uh, for, for big minutes. If the Magic were to bring him back, it would be to be an off-the-bench role player. And I'm not sure that's the direction the Magic want to go. Now, this is coming off a of game Saturday where Hazonia did everything you want to see. Hazonia was at his best, honestly, I thought, on, on Saturday. When Hazonia plays like that, he is more than just a useful role player. He is perhaps a sixth man. But it's obviously not easy to see that every night, or we haven't seen that every night. It's been inconsistent. And if the Magic want to go in a different direction, if the Magic want to draft someone or, or, or find someone else to, to play that role, I think they absolutely should. I think, I think it, we're, we're definitely at that time, uh, or at that moment there. So, you know, the Magic, the Magic uh, don't have... You know, don't have a lot of freedom, and, and I think Mario again is looking for his own chance, for his own opportunity. Michael Wilson asks, "How do sign and trades work in the draft?" Well, sign and trades do not necessarily work at the draft. Um, once the free agency period starts, essentially, there, in every contract, there's a clause that says you can't be traded. I think it's three months before the contract expires. So the NBA trade deadline is in February. Contracts flip over a year, June 30th. The NBA New Year is July 1st. So the 20, essentially, the 2017-18 season officially ends June 30th, and the 2018-19 season begins July 1st. That's why the free agency period begins July 1st, because everyone becomes free agents. So once those, so essentially in April, May, June, you cannot trade expiring contracts because they're three months away from expiring. So at the so after that passes, so once we get into free agency. Sign and trades work in a very specific way. Back in the old days, back when the Magic got Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill, you could do a sign and trade and retain bird rights, and that's that was very important. So a team would, at, so like what the Magic did with Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill is, let's take the Grant Hill example. The Magic went to the Pistons and said, "We want to make sure we get Grant Hill. We would like to give him the full max that you can give him." So. We need you to sign Grant Hill to a full max contract using bird rights so you can go over the cap to sign him. So that was a seven-year deal at the time. And then trade him to us. And we will give you some pieces that you would like that we're willing to give up to make this happen. And that's how the Pistons got Ben Wallace. Who knows if Hill would have signed otherwise, but that's how the system used to work. That changed with the last collective bargaining agreement. And the last collective bargaining agreement, the NBA closed this loophole. So you can't do sign-in trades to sign guys to more money, essentially. Essentially using bird rights as a trade chip. Now, to do a sign-in trade, the trade has to work on both sides. So for the most part, that's effectively killed sign-in trade deals. They just don't, they don't happen as much anymore. Because essentially to do a sign-in trade deal, you have to create enough cap room to acquire the player and send out enough salary 
while keeping the other team under the cap. So essentially, and you lose that bird ride advantage. So you can't sign you can't sign someone to a full max with eight percent raises and sign and trade them. If you're going to sign and trade a player, you you don't get the full full right. You don't get those full rights. That's a big deal. So if let's say the Magic do want to trade Aaron Gordon or do a sign and trade with Aaron Gordon. That means Aaron Gordon would agree to the con to a contract with the Magic, or essentially with his new team, and then they would either have to have the cap room to absorb that deal, or send out enough salary to create the cap room to absorb that new deal, and Orlando would have to stay under the cap, which wouldn't be a problem at that point, to make the trade legal. It's a very complicated situation. So the best way I can explain sign in trades is. In order to do a sign-and-trade, a team either has to create the cap... To sign a free agent, the team either has to have the cap room to sign him straight out, or to do a sign-and-trade, they have to trade out enough salary to create to create the cap room to acquire the player they're going after. So, Farron Gordon's going to get a $20 million a year contract. Let's just use that as a baseline. And I have $15 million of cap room to acquire Aaron Gordon in a sign-and-trade I would need to send out $5 million to make it fit under the cap. And in that case, at least the Magic gets something for him, but not equal value. So you will never see a trade of equal value, or very rarely, I think, would you see a trade of equal value for a sign-and-trade deal. I just don't think that, that that's just not how the system is set up anymore. And so we're seeing signing trades just kind of go by the wayside. They're not used in a lot. This summer, maybe we do see some of that because so many teams are cash-strapped. But again, if I'm the Magic, the only big-time salary I want to take on this summer is Aaron Gordon. I don't, want to sp I don't want to bring in a ton of big salary. And I think that the Magic are going to match Aaron Gordon. I, I just don't think they they'll let him walk. And so, you know, maybe all that talk is moot. We'll, we'll see about that. Again, if you have cap space... There is no reason to do a sign and trade. That's that's the bottom line. Let's move on now and talk a little bit about the big issue facing the Orlando Magic and facing uh, that a lot of people are talking about and, and wondering about as we come to the end of the season, and that is the future of Magic coach Frank Vogel. This week, Mark Stein of the New York Times reporting in his uh, in his weekly NBA newsletter that it is believed in most coaching circles that the Magic will fire Frank Vogel at the end of the season and are looking to target three potential coaches in Toronto Raptors assistant Rex Kalamian, uh, Toronto Raptors assistant Nick Nurse, and Raptors 905 head coach Jerry Stackhouse. This, of course, is not the first time we've heard these rumors. I have heard some, some grumbling and some rumbling about Frank Vogel being on the hot seat since December. And any time you have a team with a record as bad as the Magic's record is, and, and with new management especially, they're going to think about changing the coach. You have to. As Jeff Waltman said, this year they're going to evaluate everything. The Magic will evaluate everything within the organization. And that has to include the head coach. There's no getting around it. Frank Vogel should very much be on the hot seat. Not the hot seat. But his job and the job that he's done and what he can do in the future should all be under consideration, should all be under examination as we come to the end of the season.
Whether I think it's a certainty that Frank Vogel will get fired, that part I'm not sure. I would probably say uh, it's, realistically for me, it's 50-50. My perspective is I tend to believe that Vogel has done about all he can do with a very flawed roster. This is not a team full of strong defenders. It's not a team full of veteran players. This is, this is a team that exposes a lot of his flaws. But the bottom line is, they've had success under Frank Vogel. They went 8-4. and four. They were doing things the right way. They were building in the right direction. And all of a sudden, the message just stopped working. And so I asked, for a team that's, that hasn't won more than 35 games in the last six years, why are any of these players shutting out the coach? What, what position or what position of strength do they have to say what coach is saying isn't working or can't work? I think the problem of buy-in, usually, yeah, you say that's on the coach for not delivering a message that, that works, but we want to change these players anyway, right? The problem with buy-in, I think, in this case, is on the players. What they were doing earlier in the season worked. So why are they shutting him out? Or why are they not listening now? You could say the same. I said the same thing under Scott Skiles. If the Magic's problem is people are shutting out Scott Skiles, and Scott Skiles does wear on on people, and we know this. But you're 19 and 13 before the wheels came off. You were succeeding. You were experiencing success for the first time in your NBA careers for the most part. Why are you not listening to this guy? Why are you not trying to do what he says? To me, that made no sense. And that's why I wasn't surprised to see the Magic make try and make some of the roster changes that they made that summer. And so we're back at the situation again. How much fault do we put this season on Frank Vogel? Certainly had to deal with a lot of injuries. We knew that he had a very flawed roster. So just how much fault does Frank Vogel have in this whole scenario, in this whole situation? That's part of the question I think Jeff Weltman has to ask himself and part of the question that the Magic have to ask themselves as they examine what went wrong this season. And if it's determined, and I think it's a completely rational decision, to say Frank Vogel is not our coach for the future, they need to move on. I think that this roster, again, exposed a lot of Frank Vogel's flaws. He is not a great coach offensively. We know that. I think he, even in Indiana, he had, the, he had this complaint. He isn't very imaginative with his rotations. He tends to stick with the same guys that he trusts. Um, he isn't as experimental with his lineup sometimes that, that maybe people want. And he's a little bit slow to change because he's very analytical. I, I think that he doesn't like to rush into change. And on a roster like this, the Magic needed a little bit of all of that. What he taught defensively worked for a time, but never really stuck. And so he doesn't have the great defensive talents that he needs. The length and athleticism that he needs. And so if this roster doesn't fit him or 
if he doesn't want to sit through another a, a rebuild period where you're working with young guys and making sure they improve. And, and I think we've seen young players improve. I, I have been encouraged by that this year. If, if, if he isn't the guy that you think will develop these players, then you need to move on and get a new coach. And get someone who be, maybe better fits the timeline for this team. I think Vogel as a coach that works better with veteran teams. With teams that are maybe on the cusp of the playoffs. And the reality is the Magic are probably still another year or two away from the postseason. They're just not ready. I will say this. I still think I value continuity with the coaching staff. Uh, personally, I think that changing coaches right now probably would hurt some players on this team again. Some important players like Aaron Gordon and, and Jonathan Isaac. And I think Vogel has done a good job developing young players. I think that he has done a good job getting this team to play a little bit, not, not team play a little bit better, but individuals to play better. I think Mario Zonia's development, I think Vogel deserves some credit for that. He went from a non-playable player to a playable player. I think Nikola Vucevic uh, has, it's, has, played, has shown a lot of improvement defensively in Vogel's two years. So the question is, do you trust Vogel to develop this rookie? To develop Jonathan Isaac. If you don't, if you don't like the development culture that's being built, you need to move. You need to move on and build a better development culture, because that's what matters right now is developing your young players. As I said, I fall on the side of Frank Vogel should be the head coach next year. I think he should get another year. Um, I think that he's done what the Magic need him to do, and so. We won't know if the Magic give him that opportunity until the end of the season, and I don't think a I don't think a uh, I don't think that this you know that that everything this season is his fault. I think the majority of it is not his fault, but you got to bring in someone you're comfortable with and that you know is going to to t get the job done. As Cicely Morgan asks, if Frank is released, who would you hire? Why? Um, I do like all three of those Raptors assistants that were named. I think Jerry Stackhouse would be a very good coach. He is a young coach, um, but he's experienced success in the G League with Raptors 905. He's someone Jeff Weltman is comfortable with, um, so they have that relationship already established. Um, I think that he would develop a young roster really, really well. Um, Rex Kalamian is a good coach. Nick Nurse is also a good coach. The Raptors guys are guys who Weltman knows. Um, I think you want to go de the development route. And so you just need to make sure that that coach has very specific plans for developing young players and developing a young team and growing them into winners. I think the mistake with Jacques Vaughn is from the very beginning, it felt like Jacques Vaughn was a babysitter. That he didn't really have an idea of what he wanted his team to do. Even if it doesn't fit the roster, force an identity on the team. Say, we're going to be a defensive team. So we're going to trap everything as a young, as a young team. That, that's what it looked like Jacques Vaughn was going to do. And then he stopped doing it. Maybe it was Nikola Vucevic just couldn't handle that. But you need to come up with a distinct style and a distinct um, identity from the very beginning. And that coach needs to know who that, what that is. So that's where I'd go with the coach if I were the Magic. Let's move on to a couple more questions before we close out the show here. Uh, someone asked 
Um, uh, Rome, Rome Keenan asks, with our current draft position, what do you think the odds of the Magic taking Trey Young in the draft? Um, if you know me, I, I am not the biggest Trey Young fan. Um, I think that, um, I think that uh, he's a very good shooter, and I have him in my group of seven. I have a group of seven players that I think are legitimately very good players. The Magic right now are tied for fourth in lottery odds with with Dallas. Um, my big board says take a, take one of the bigs there. Um, I have uh, Luka Doncic and DeAndre Ayton as my top two. I have Jer- uh, Mohamed Bamba three, followed by Jaron Jackson four. Um, I would probably put Trey Young five or six, depending on how I feel about Marvin Bagley. I flip flip back and forth with Marvin Bagley, um, and then seven I have Michael Porter Jr. I, I just don't think he's a fit with the Magic's roster as it's currently constructed. Uh, from there, so yeah, it, with the, where the Magic are currently drafted, I think it's very, very realistic that they draft Trey Young. Um, you know, maybe they like Macal Bridges more, although I don't think Macal Bridges has quite the superstar potential. I think he's a, I think his his floor is a lot higher than Trey Young's. Um, you know, maybe they like Shy Shy Gilgis Alexander, who um, I think might be a more interesting point guard fit, uh, just just lengthwise. Um, I think he fits what the Magic want from their defenders. Either way, you know, I say this, there's a group of seven players and then there's maybe two or three that I really like outside that group of seven. So to me, the Magic are getting a good player no matter where they draft. Everyone wants a superstar and that's why I think everyone wants to get in the top three. And again, it's a lottery. So you can't, you can't predict what the top three is going to be. But really, as I've always said, the draft, get a solid player. Don't, you don't need a superstar. The superstar you develop. You get someone with superstar talent but you have to develop them into a superstar. And you don't really know if they have that in them until they get into the league. Donovan Mitchell averaged 14 points per game at, at Louisville. Wasn't really a great point guard. No one really knew what he was. The kid just had it in. And went into Utah's great system, and they developed him into a star, into, into a budding star. No one saw that coming. So that's, I mean, when, when I get into these arguments with people about tanking, I don't care about tanking. I care about building a development culture. And that's, why, again, why I think the coaching part is so important is you need a coach that has a good development culture because you're not going to draft a superstar. You've got to grow a superstar. You've got to grow a future star. And there are players that can become future stars even later in this draft. I'm not 100% convinced Trey Young is the guy, but if the Magic draft Trey Young, that's fine. He can play. He can shoot. He can score. He has that Steph Curry potential. I don't think he can be Steph Curry, but he has that. He has he has hints of that game. But Trey Young will still need a lot of work. Don't kid yourself. Trey Young is not ready to come into the NBA and score forty points per game. He's got to ter- take down the turnovers. He's got to learn to dribble with his left hand. He's got to learn to go left. That is a big thing that he's got to grow into. There are a lot of things I like about his game. I think his passing is extremely underrated still. But, but um, obviously, the Magic still have a lot to work through to get to, through in the draft. I think what's going to be more important is because all these guys are so close to, on tape, it's going to come down to what's in your head, what's between the ears. Interviewing these kids, figuring out which one really fits the ethos the Magic want to build, the, again, the development culture the Magic want to build, that's the key. That's the key to everything. And so when I get into arguments with tankers right now, my argument is don't worry about what you can control. You cannot control the lottery. 
Even with better odds, you cannot control the lottery. I'd rather build a strong development culture now. Start now with it. And then take that next step. On the coaching front, Samuel Palacio asks, what about Mark Jackson? Um, Mark Jackson, to me, is he's a very good coach. I want to make that perfectly clear. He did a really amazing thing with the Golden State Warriors. He taught them all how to defend. And I think with if, if, if Mark Jackson would have been a great coach when the Magic hired Scott Stiles. Just from a coaching, accepting what I'm about to say about him. He would have been a good coach for that team. A young team that just needed that extra little bit to get to the next step. I don't think he would be a good coach for a young developing team. For a team that's at the bottom of the standings and still kind of learning the NBA. Which is what I think the Magic are going to be next year. On top of that, Mark Jackson brings a lot of baggage with him. That baggage being, he really tried to undermine the power structure in Golden State. You think about how good the Golden State Warriors are now. And the culture that they've built. Mark Jackson did not buy into that. Mark Jackson was not a collaborator. Mark Jackson wanted it to be about him. This is well documented. He wanted to undermine the general manager. And take more power. He wanted to... He didn't trust his assistant coaches. He thought his assistant coaches were working against him. And so he didn't trust the staff around him. He had a divided locker room because, because of his religion. I, I, there's no other way to say it. His, 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 I don't want to call it extremist religious ideas, but his extreme devotion to religion and how he interjected it into his team alienated a lot of players in that locker room. And to me, yes, Mark Jackson laid a great foundation for that team. That team does not win a championship if he doesn't get fired. Steph Curry, I mean... The, the Warriors' offense, we think of them now as the greatest off- as one of the greatest offenses of all time. The Warriors' offense under Mark Jackson was pedestrian. He was very set in his ways about doing things his way and not willing to think outside the box, and that's what the Warriors wanted. So, I'm not sure Mark Jackson is a good fit. I'm honestly not sure Mark Jackson's ever going to coach again. Like, you can't undermine management the way he did. Another guy that a lot of people bring up that the Magic might bring in is Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, I think, has a lot of the same problems. From everything I understand, um, he tried he tried to, to, to take power in Milwaukee. And that's why he ended up fired now. Because he kind of played his cards wrong. He used his friendship with the owner to, to, to get what he wanted over what the GM wanted, what management wanted. And so it's going to be very tough for him to find find another job too. So um, it's it's definitely a uh, interesting question. Uh, Mark Ng asks, reevaluating the EP trade, did the Magic win the trade? Um, this is what I say about the Dwight Howard trade a lot. There were no winners to that trade. The Phoenix Suns, they probably still win the trade. Um, the Magic didn't get great value for Alfred Payton. They just got rid of him for something. So yeah, I, I I mean I always thought the Magic won the trade because they got something for a player they clearly weren't going to resign. So yeah, they got something for him, and I think that pick's going to be valuable. I think the Magic will use it. Um, I think Phoenix won the trade too. They they got they you know they they took a gamble on a guy. Um, and they found out if they really wanted to sign him, and it's sounding like they don't. 
So I don't like this idea that there's, there is a winner and a loser to a trade. Both teams are trying to accomplish something different. The Magic were trying to get an asset for a player they weren't going to resign. The Magic won that trade. They accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. The Suns, it, it seemed like they were trying to see if this young player was worth going after in the summer, so they took a gamble on him. But it's, it's such a low-risk gamble, who cares? So Phoenix probably won a little bit too. So I don't think that that's... I don't think that that's a... Uh, I, 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 I think both teams did, got what they wanted out of the deal. Um, I think a lot of Magic fans, especially, overrate Alfred Payton and what he what he is. Um, I think they still overrate a lot of the players on the roster. Um, I, I still see people saying, oh, the Magic will trade Nikola Vucevic for a lottery pick. I'm like, no. No, no one wants Nikola Vucevic. Well, the Magic will be lucky to get a late first-round pick for Nikola Vucevic, and I don't think they'll get that. Everyone knows what these guys are. So it's, it's tough to get yourself out of this hole. David, I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, Majerson, Majerson asked, do you think MPJ can play the two? Um, I don't think he can. Um, I just don't think he has the lateral quickness. The back injury still scares me, so I'm very hesitant to draft Michael Porter Jr. even at seven. Um, I might, I, I would probably even draft Mikhail Bridges over him at this point. Although I think Michael Porter Jr. has a bigger star potential, star upside. That back injury scares me. I need as much information on that back injury as I can get. I need to see him in a workout playing against other players. I'm not trusting the tape that we saw at the end of the Missouri at the end of Missouri season. I'm not trusting his high school tape. I need to see him play during the draft process. And if he's unwilling to do that, then I'm taking him off my board. And I, I really kind of have him off my board anyway because I think the Magic are set at that position because I don't view him as a two. Um, Michael Wilson saying Alexander looks like EP. Please no. Um... Alexander's a better shooter. Um, that's 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 all I'll say about that. Um, Colin Sexton reminds me more of Alfred Payton. I think Colin Sexton is an Alfred Payton, maybe with a little bit better defensive ability. Um, but I like I do like Shy a lot. Um, I think that uh, consistency was definitely an issue for him. Uh, but he's got such great length. Um, I think he can figure things out. But obviously not obviously a pick with a lot of flaws. I, I'm not gonna kid, I'm not gonna kid you there. That's why I have him ninth or tenth on my board. Uh, so, yeah, this is it. Um, let's see. Khan Khan Suhada Tongupan. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Does AG deserve a max contract? Um, I don't think that... Everyone asked this. Um, I don't think that the Magic... Will he have a choice in this? Is AG worth a max contract? No. I don't think he's a max player. But what a player is worth and what he will get are two very different things. I think there isn't a lot of money in this year's free agency, so perhaps no one offers him a max deal in the Magic luck out, and I think that the Magic should work very quickly to try and get a contract negotiated before he really enters a restricted free agency. Um, if the Magic can avoid giving him a max contract, that they should absolutely do that. What I think will end up happening with Aaron is very similar to what happened with Tobias Harris. They're going to tell him, go get a number. Go get an offer sheet. Bring it to us before you sign it, and we'll, dis we'll discuss a little bit more. I think what Orlando ends up doing is offering him a contract very similar to Tobias Harris, probably in the $18 to $19 million per year range with 8% raises. Give him the maximum raises as, as an incentive to stay. Probably four-year deal. So the reality is that's kind of what the market's going to bear. 
It's not about what he's worth. It's about what the market will give him. And restricted free agency is really playing the market. Someone is going to try and come in and give him a crazy deal. Someone's going to try and come in and steal him from the Magic, and they've got to give a big contract to do that. They've got to make the Magic thing. But if the Magic are willing to match anything, then that doesn't matter. And yeah, they're going to tie up their books a little bit more. That's, that, is, that is the one big concern, is the Magic will tie up their books even further. But at this point, if you want to keep Aaron Gordon, if you want to invest in his development, if you believe in his development, that's what you got to do. That's the price you got to pay. At some point, you got to pay these players. And so the Magic have reached a point where they have to pay these players. Um, I don't know where these rumors are coming from. Bobby Tyrone asked, would, t- would you take a look at Luke Walton if the Lakers move on? The Lakers are not moving on from Luke Walton. He's done an incredible job with that team. I, I don't get where this is coming from, that the Lakers want to fire Luke Walton. He has been really, really good. And if he becomes available on the coaching market, I try and get him as quickly as possible because he has done a very good job with that Lakers team. You watch that Lakers team play, they play better than their talent talent level. They play hard. They play really well together. They're not a perfect roster by any means, but Walton has managed that team extraordinarily well. And I think the Lakers would be crazy to let him go. He's done such a good job building a better culture for that Lakers team. And it, it just feels like everyone wants the Lakers to just be the, the, the New York Yankees, essentially, and just go out and pick which players they want in free agency and get them. That's not who Luke Walton wants them to be, and that's not who Luke Walton's building them to be. And I think that's really that should be really exciting for Lakers fans. They expect greatness, obviously, and so eventually they will play and play free agency and try and get those types of players. They're not there yet, and I think it's silly for them to think that they're there yet. And if they think that they're there and they fire Luke Walton because of it, they're going to be bad for a very, very long time. I'm sorry. That's just that would just be a poor management decision. Luke Walton has done a very, very good job for the Lakers, and I don't think he's going anywhere. If there are no more questions. That's going to do it for me on today's episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and Locked On Magic. Thanks, everyone, for joining the show and giving your questions and comments about the Magic and the big issues uh, facing the team. Remember, you can join us every day on the Locked On Magic podcast. Um, Jamaica, well, the Magic will go to the finals again one day. Don't worry. It's, it's, forever is a long time, and the NBA is not going anywhere. Um, but remember, you can always join us every day on the Locked On Magic podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. A daily podcast covering the Orlando Magic um, for about 20, 30 minutes every day. So be sure to check that out every day. Get it downloaded to your phone or whatever to, to, to hear the latest on the Orlando Magic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I didn't get to it, but a shout-out and quick congratulations to the Lakeland Magic for making the playoffs. You can catch their game Tuesday on ESPNU as they take on the Erie Bayhawks uh, in a single elimination game. So congrats to the Lakeland Magic on making the playoffs a strong run to end the season to, to get into the G League playoffs. So congratulations to them. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for, for watching on Facebook Live or listening on Locked on Magic. Until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been another Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and another episode of Locked On Magic. I'll see you tomorrow on the podcast for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.